0: Growing up as children in a family of six, so often when we'd go to church on the Feast of the Holy Family, as my brother and sister who are here with us will attest to, we got a good kick out of that line from Paul's letter to the Colossians, as we all sat in one pew together as a family. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. And everyone would look at mom. Get it? Husbands, love your wives. And we'd all look at dad. Get it? And then children, obey your parents. And mom and dad would look at us and go. Then fathers, do not provoke your children so they don't become discouraged. We'd all look at dad again. right. Family life. Wonderful. The tensions that go naturally in all family life. Growing up together as children, it's hard. Sometimes you want more attention than the others. You don't always feel as though you're being respected or heard or listened to. Mom and dad have their tensions. Sometimes they want to keep it quiet, but it comes out and everyone seems to at holiday time, or the vacation times, or whenever family is together in close quarters, it can sometimes explode. That's just the natural way of being together in the good times, in the bad, in the sickness, and in the health, when things are going well, when they're not, when we're getting what we wanted for Christmas and we got discouraged as children or the tensions between relationships in marriage, and the joys that go with it as well. All of this is in the constant mix of family life. And no doubt, it was there in the life of Mary, Joseph, and the child. In fact, we're told in Luke's gospel today, this is a very interesting encounter between Mary, Joseph, and the child. He's now 12, he's a young boy, He's going into adolescence soon and he has disappeared now if you know the context the temple is like the Washington Mall it's a huge complex it's many stories high and many stories low and it's a huge building the temple in Jerusalem was huge and so to get lost in the temple. That's really something. That's a nightmare because if you don't know the temple, you don't know how to get out and where to go, it's hard to find an exit. And so they don't know where he is. He's gotten separated from them and they are very naturally concerned. And when they find him, Mary says, why have you done this to us? What were you thinking? What was going through your head that you would leave us and cause us, Mary says, great anxiety, naturally. To lose a child, not to know where they are, home alone, right? And then he says, why were you looking for me? Now in our family life, if I were to say, Why were you concerned about me? Or why were you looking at me? I think my mother might go like that, right? Be obedient. Shape up. Get your act together. These are holy people, of course, but let's not miss the humanity in all of this. Because Mary says, we were filled with great anxiety. She didn't say, oh, course son yes you have work to do and we'll be okay and she didn't read the crystal ball she was human in all things but sin but she couldn't read the crystal ball she didn't know why he was separated but he says I must be doing my father's work in his house now three days is symbolic it's the trinity the father the son the holy spirit Jesus is spending time those three days symbolically with his divine family. He is one in being consubstantial with the father, one in being in himself with the father and with the Holy Spirit. So these three days that Luke speaks of is his way of saying our Lord identifies first as God made flesh. So he separates himself for a moment or distinguishes himself from Mary and Joseph to show them and the world through the gospel that the most fundamental, profound relationship that Jesus Christ would ever have from all eternity is with the Father and the Holy Spirit within himself. So we don't often think about the divine family, but that is truly The holy family. And then by extension, of course, Mary and Joseph. The family on earth. The family that we can identify with. The human family. So you have the divine family and the human family. The divine nature of Jesus, the human nature of Jesus. All this is beautifully orchestrated in this gospel. When he says, my fundamental purpose was not for you, mom, or dad. It was for the Father. I've come to do the Father's will. Now that might sound disobedient or disrespectful to us, but it wasn't for religious people. And it's not disrespectful for us. Our fundamental vocation in life, friends, is really ultimately God, to set our hearts and minds first on the divine family. And when we get that proper relationship and we get that kind of sense of of to whom do i ultimately belong the family of god then i can translate that into my human family my biological family or if they're not there if they're deceased or moved on or maybe i'm just estranged from them i now have the church as my family on earth a kind of divine and human in the body of Christ. So all this comes together as we think about family and we think about the tension, the dynamics of those relationships. But if you're without family in the natural sense of the word, or you feel estranged, or you don't know anyone anymore, or they've moved on, or they've disappeared, you have the holy family of Mary and Joseph and the child and they love each other and I want to focus just for a minute on a virtue that I think is misunderstood and that is obedience. So obedience doesn't mean a kind of begrudging duty, well I have to do that because mom and dad said so stuff, well I've got to do that because you know the mayor said so, I've got to do this because the state says so, I've got to do this because the church says so, I've got to go to mass because you know what, that's not obedience. That's a grudge. That's anger. No, obedience is listening to the word of God in my conscience as spelled out in scripture and the tradition of the church and my own good reason and discerning that to say, you know, God has something in mind for me today. Maybe I don't know that, but let me pray for that. Let me reflect on that. Obedience begins with discerning the will of God and then acting on it with joy, not with all the answers, not with a lot of talk. So Mary is obedient to the word. It was not easy for her to accept the angel Gabriel's message that she'd become the mother of God, but she's obedient to it, not begrudgingly, not say, oh, I guess I gotta be the mother of God, no with joy. Joseph, obedient to the word of God, here's a man who wanted to have his own family. And he's told, adopt the boy, name him legally, give birth, go to Egypt, come back, raise the boy, show him how to be a son. Joseph didn't do that begrudgingly. Oh, well, I got to do that. No, with obedience comes Joy, so joy will always be the outward sign of an obedient disciple. And it would be Mary and Joseph that ultimately would teach the boy, through their example, thy will be done. Fiat voluntas tua, thy will be done. He could echo those words that he had heard in growing up the experience of these two. In his humanity, he would then completely give himself over to the Father, because they did too in obedience to his word. We can too as a family, whether you are a family biologically or a family with your friends, your close ones, your loved ones, wherever your family is, it's so difficult and different today, but it is something we all need to look to and look to the church as a family of faith. And as your father in this family, your pastor, it is truly a blessing to be with you on this day as we celebrate the family that is St. Anne's. Merry Christmas and a joyful Holy Days.